Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, Rise Together fam. It's a Tuesday bonus episode. It's a Giving Tuesday bonus episode. Susan and Sarah are here from National and Austin Angels. I am so glad that you are here in my home. By the way, for the listener, uh, Susan runs this beautiful organization that I have had my heart in and have been so involved with over the last handful of years and had reached out and said, hey, uh, would you be open to us coming over to your house and having a little Friendsgiving? Now, I didn't like totally understand what was happening here until uh, about six minutes before 1,000 people and 400 cars showed up at my house today. So welcome to the Rise Together podcast. Welcome to Rise Together. My name's Dave Hollis. I'm the host of this show where we're going to hopefully have you feeling a little more normal in this, the human experience. Maybe see yourself even in some of the stories that are told or have your appreciation of what it means to be human expanded by someone who's come on as a guest who's had a different life experience. In all of it, we are trying our best in community to learn from each other, to grow, and maybe even have a little bit more compassion for what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. When we do, we all rise together. true yeah I think it's okay to giggle and also it's so true and this is what I love about my friendship with Dave I'm like Dave can I have your house and he's like yeah uh to which I showed up and was like hey by the way we're having a friendsgiving here and so this is just really on brand for mine and Dave's relationship fantastic literally not that long ago I was like you know I should probably start asking Dave for more because I haven't hit my threshold of asks yet (laughs) because he literally says yes to every request. What's good it's about good friend. our friendship is that you often are asking me while I'm in the middle of something else and I open up the text or I listen to the voice note and I'm just like, yeah, sure. And I am not actually reading all of okay, what you great. have sent over. <laughs> or Thanks for that ammo. <laughs> even familiar with what it is because I just assume it's helping the kids and I am here for foster care and here mm. for you. And now I realize I got to start reading um, because- Or don't. Or, or, don't. or don't. Or don't. I'll just give full permission not to do that. There is an army of your team in the backyard in real time doing a photo shoot. It's a sweet moment. The well, most unbelievable spread of food uh, is still, I'm assuming, in the kitchen. I'm, in process. 
in, it's 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 being it's being unloaded. Uh-huh. Perfect. Um, but there's something rad about you guys all getting to be here today for us to get to do this conversation today. So as much as I have attempted to over time tell people about the work that you do and the humans that you serve, mm-hmm. would you, in your own words, give a little bit of a background to Austin Angels, which became mm-hmm. National Angels, and the way that you were trying to wrap love around the foster care communities that you serve? Yes. So I started Austin Angels in 2010, but didn't have a real clear vision or direction of what it was going to look like. I just knew uh, that foster care could be done differently. And when we think about what that looks like from a landscape perspective all across the country, there's about 430,000 children. They're away from their home and they get put into foster care. And what 430,000 kids. Are in foster care yes. in the US right now. Yes. And so, what we know is that if we care about some of the other outcomes from foster care, our homeless population, the prison population, human traffic, rising health care costs, if we just go upstream, what we know is that it all starts in foster care. Mm. And so, I think oftentimes people think, well, I'm not called to foster and I'm not called to adopt. So, what role can I play in this very challenged system? But what we believe is that it doesn't have to be this way. And so we take ordinary people who care about kids in their own community, and we match them with the most amazing families, and we walk along the journey with them. And we've got two main programs. Our Love Box is a wraparound family support that literally looks like doing life with families in a really intentional way, which I think nowadays, I mean, we are so disconnected. And we had kind of talked about this earlier about, you know, you probably don't even know your neighbor's names. And we talk to our phones more than we talk to each other. And so for us, we want people to do life with each other in a really meaningful way. In fact, uh, one of our board members just texted me last night showing me a picture of a homemade pot pie and said, I'm on my way to deliver this to the foster mom that I got matched with. And so I'm just going to put it on her door, pot pies with a card and just a little sweet, something sweet to just say, I see you. And so uh, our program, what's so incredible is that we are changing the statistics. That is our North Star. That is why we exist. We want to change every statistic that plagues children in the foster care system. So what we know is that on average, children will move seven times in two years. Wow. And what that looks like is new mommies and daddies, new schools, new communities, new sets of friends if they even make them. And what's profound is that when we can support the family unit, then what we know is that children stay in place. They don't move. And the closest touch point to healing begins when a child has a sense of belonging in one place. So good. So we want, in my lifetime, by 2050, it is our goal to reach and serve every single child. So right now, currently, we have 21 chapters all across the nation, uh, but we are very aggressive in our growth plan because we believe that every child matters and so we're going after every single one. What I love about the love box, so for those that don't know, I was a four-time foster parent. We had a placement and then a sibling set that was you know, ultimately in March of 2016, no, uh, then a, a pair of twins that came into the house uh, in summer of, of 16. Seeing them come and go, especially the first, uh, the first placements in, um, in having arrived, they showed up with a pillowcase with a handful of things. 
It wasn't their first placement. It certainly wasn't their last. We knew it was temporary. Part of what I love about the Love Box program is you have a team of people that are trying to intentionally understand some of the favorite but simple things that might create something of consistency for a child who has only likely had an inconsistent experience inside of the system. Mm-hmm. Was that the the hope? That was the thing that you like developed it for? Like, Tell me a little bit about Lovebox and how it came to be and why it's so important. Yeah, so in the very beginning, I had partnered with a single foster mom who was raising six teenage boys. And in the very beginning of the journey, it was how do we change the experience of foster care? And so we would show up and we do these really incredible events for kids. And then we said, we've, we're not actually changing the statistics. They're still going to age out at 18 years old and have no pathway for adulthood, uh, for successful adulthood. And so I called this mama up and I said, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I just want to walk alongside you. And in her household, she had six teenage boys. And these were the kind of boys that if you would see them walking down the street, you'd probably go to the other side of the street. Like they were hardcore young men who had all grown up in the system. And so I said, I don't know what this is going to look like. Help me build this program. I'm just going to show up consistently, and then I'm going to meet the needs of your family. So I would call her and I'd say, what are some of the things that you need? And every single month just was consistently showing up. And I remember something that was really impactful about that program. It was Halloween time. And I had brought six pumpkins with me. And Esther was like, what are you going to do with those pumpkins? I said, we're going to paint these pumpkins. That's what we're going to do. And she's like, hard, that is never going to happen. These rough teenage boys are not going to paint pumpkins. And I was like, watch me work. And so I went to the boys and I was like, listen, there's a gift card on the line to the kid who does the best decorating contest. And they were so thrilled to do it and was so excited. And then at Christmas time, we were building, um, what are the Christmas Gingerbread houses. Yes, thank you. Gingerbread houses. Like we kept doing these really meaningful things. And at first glance, no way is a teenage boy going to do it. But if you've never had that experience before and you've never been exposed to that, all of a sudden at 17 years old, these young men were acting like eight-year-old boys. Yeah. Like so excited uh, to do it. And so that meaningful experience thing was something that shaped me and how we decided to launch the program. But in that same household, I would show up every month with things like toilet paper and paper towels and laundry soap. And I would love on those boys. I would take them by their collar and I would look them in the eye and just tell them like, I love them and that they mattered. And I feel like all kids spell love the same way, T-I-M-E. And we were showing up. And I believe that every single child should have at least one healthy adult who knows the color of their eyes and the passions of their heart and unleash their potential. Uh, Because these are just normal kids. They just find themselves in a really challenged system, but they are resilient and they are strong. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. And we had a little boy in the program. His name was Jonathan. And Jonathan was going into the seventh grade. And Jonathan, of all the little boys that had been in uh, Mama Esther's home, she'd had over 50 boys come through her home. And uh, when we first showed up, he would not look at us in our eyes. Mm. Like, I don't trust you. Why are you here? What do you want? I don't understand it. And month after month after month, we just kept showing up. And it was uh, back to school time. We brought a backpack, a brand new backpack. And inside of the backpack, we had a handwritten card for Jonathan. And we said, we understand you want to make the football team. And he said, I do, but it's never going to happen for me because I don't make good grades. In fact, I've never made a good grade a day in my life. And I said, you know what, Jonathan, we believe that this is your year and that it's going to happen for you. And we want you to take this card and every morning we want you to put it on your poster board bed and we want you to read it out loud. And we want you to be reminded that if it is that you want to make the football team, then that's going to happen. And so it was six weeks progress report card time and Mama Esther called me and she said, you are not going to believe this, but that little boy just came barreling in the front door, waving his report card and said, Mama, 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 those people believed in me and I didn't want to make a liar out of them and handed the report card over to Esther and he made straight A's. And here's a young man who had no confidence, no belief in himself, that believed that he was worthy of making good grades and made the decision that he was going to work hard and study and totally transformed how he viewed himself because we told him to believe. belief. Yeah. Yeah. In the same household, uh, there was a young man named Ryan, and it was his birthday, and Ryan was real special to me. And uh, just an incredible story of resilience, but had grown up uh, his whole life in foster care and had been in Esther's home for years. And it was his birthday and I couldn't be there, but we delivered a big love box for him and inside was brownies and all these great things. He opened it up, balloons came out, like Mm. really special. And he called me when he got home from school that day and he said, Susan, I was so excited to get home from school because I knew that for the first time someone was going to celebrate me. And he, before he hung up, he said, and I love you. Um, and I said, oh, I love you too, Ryan. And I'll never forget this because I was standing at my kitchen sink and I was washing dishes. And I said, I love you too, Ryan. And just a few seconds later, my phone rings and Esther had gone into the back room and she said, Susan, do not let the novelty of those words be lost on you. Mm. That that boy has been in my home for years and I have never heard him say the words, I love you. So it's one thing to feel loved and it's a whole nother thing to give that away. Yeah. That he gave you his heart right there on that phone call. And uh makes you want to cry. I Goodness, know. it's amazing. Ah. Yeah. And so 
did I have a vision of what that was going to look like when I started the program? No, I I had no clue. There was no intentionality. There was no strategic plan. There was no objectives that I was trying to hit. It was what we know is that kids age out of care and they end up homeless, prison, commit suicide. That is not okay with me. What can we do about this? And felt a real calling that that was a burden that was placed on my life. And so what I realized was through little things like the Ryan story and the Jonathan story and Esther being supported um, made me feel like if this could happen in one household, what, what, what could it look like if it happened in every household in Central Texas? And what started as Austin Angels then quickly became, but also I care about kids in Chicago and in Amarillo yeah. and Houston and Washington, and so on and so forth. And I think the crazy thing about following any path or dream that you have, and I had said this earlier, like you never understand what's on the other side of your yes. When you are called to something and there's so much fear and like the unknown. But if I would have said, no, I don't want to do this. Like I, I sit back and I look 21 chapters and we have 108 staff members and um, supporting 3,000 children, youth, and families on a monthly basis. Like that was one yes that I made to do this work. And so I'm real passionate about this work because I believe that kids should have the opportunity for a radical sense of belonging and that families who are called to this should be supported in this in a really beautiful way. Yeah. So. Sarah had to say a yes as well, as does every single person who is on your staff. Recruiting and keeping great talent requires that they also have a willingness to take a leap into something that isn't easy, that's unconventional, that maybe doesn't come with every benefit that they could otherwise get in a more conventional kind of job. You moved from another state, your mm-hmm. husband changed his job, you have a thousand kids like I do. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what kind of was that tug or that pull? Was it just Susan being very convincing? Uh, was it I mean, some she's kind good. Of, she is good. Was it some kind of calling from higher power God, universe pushing? Um, kind of what brought you here? This, you know, you're now running Austin, the thing that mm-hmm. Susan previously was doing. And as the mission grew and these now 20 additional chapters have been added on, Susan has to pull herself out of the thing that she's known best and done well at running Austin so that she can run the country. And now you come in to take her spot. What was the, what was the pull and how did you kind of confront the fears of doing something and saying yes to the unconventional? Well, I had been previously working, running my own company, doing event planning. And to this day, I cannot remember where I heard about this little thing called Spokane Angels, which I learned later had launched one week prior in Spokane, Washington, where I was from. And when I heard about it, I thought, oh, my gosh, this could work. This could totally change foster care. And I'd worked with other organizations that supported foster care, but none of them were working on the relational healing. None of them were willing to get deep, get dirty, walk with these families to love them and support them. So when I heard about it, I quickly got involved, joined the board as a volunteer, came down to Austin to see what all this was all about. And it didn't take long before this little fire got lit in my soul that I just knew I needed to be here and be a part of what was happening in Austin to continue to help grow this this work to grow this thing. So 
Thankfully, my husband said, gosh, I've always wanted to live in Texas. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got four little boys and they were down for the adventure. So we actually got a little Airbnb and came down for a month. I called Susan. We didn't know each other that well and said, hey, if I come down, here's what I'm good at. Could I help? And she said, sure, free labor. Come on. (laughs) And uh, so we did. We came for a month. Uh, The boys went out and explored the Texas Hill Country and loved it. And we worked together real well. And and we made a plan. It just so happened that was February of 2020. Um, So by March, we weren't sure of our plan anymore and had to really keep a, a steady heart. And there was a piece in it. For me, anyway, I thought, well, if this is going to go, it's just going to work. And for me, it always has been a higher calling. It felt right to do this. And even though it was a huge sacrifice to leave all our family behind and move to a new state, it felt like this is good. This is good for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because my journey to sitting in this house in some ways required a big yes. Mm -hmm. I, uh, with Rachel, came out on an exploratory trip to Austin as one of a couple of different cities that we were looking at. That first night, we went out with Jen Hatmaker and had dinner. The next morning, we met with you. And as much as you were our two people that we had any kind of familiarity with, I can still so vividly remember we met there on South Congress. I got up to go to the bathroom after hearing you explain your vision and this passion that you have for this organization. And I was standing at the urinal. Sorry for painting the picture. (laughs) And I felt the voice of God. I mean, like, I really felt like, oh, and this, we were there at a breakfast where you were asking if we would participate in an executive board kind of a position, having just ourselves experienced some of the challenges that exist inside of the foster system. It was one of these things that, you know, I for sure was committed to for the rest of my life. I will find a way to keep supporting this foster care system that is just tragedy built on top. It's it, Well, I would say that it's dysfunction that's built on top of tragedy, right? There's just so many layers of complicated stuff that exist. And the, the kind of people that are, you know, worse taken care of or least taken care of are the kids, unfortunately. And so I said, you know what? I, I will do whatever I can to be supportive forever and ever. And that you and I and Rachel had that breakfast and I now standing at this urinal feel the voice of God that we immediately get into a car with a real estate agent who takes us around to 11 houses, the 11th of which I am currently sitting inside of. And that day made the least rational, most you know snap decision of my life. We got to buy this house and create this leverage so that I can go back and leave my job and make this big leap. But um, it took a big yes. And I just want, you know, I think, you know, you were complicit in the yes that took place because it was um, a a, a selling point, I will say, of Austin was being able to be closer to the work that you were doing and uh, the community that you're building. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. 
You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com slash Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com slash Therapy60. One of the things that I found fascinating in us doing some work on building out a plan for what your future looks like was the kind of cost that a child who is in care will ultimately accrue over the course of its of his or her time in the system. Uh, children who grow up in foster care will receive approximately $1 million worth of social services by the time they age out at 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was blown away by it because I think I think of the impact as that single person and that family that's going back and forth, maybe a social worker. And we ended up trying to document that it's just this massive ecosystem that is affected mm-hmm. and that every time there's a move, you said there's seven moves on average in two years, this entire ecosystem gets turned on again, costs are continuing to be spent again, many of which are having to be paid for by taxpayers. Like right. the, the argument for supporting the work that you're doing in some ways, if you um, don't like helping people, well, maybe you could reduce some of the tax burden that is ultimately having to be spent on children in care by reducing the number of moves that they have to make and the number, the amount of dollars and resources that are necessary in keeping them in a single home. Will you just talk a little bit about the complexity of, it's not just the kid, it's not just the family, it's not just the worker, it's the ecosystem. Yeah. And, you know, I want to always like hope is our one of our leading core values. And we believe in hope because we believe that it doesn't have to be this way. And so the state of foster care, yes, has challenges, but we're changing that. And so when we talk about trying to prevent kids from moving seven times, every time we can prevent them from moving, then we talked about healing and what can occur and how like it unleashes their potential for thriving. So the ecosystem just talks about if a child moves into care, how many people are a part of their life. If we were to pull and ask kids in care, um, what's the worst part about being in foster care without, you know, a mom and dad, they often say, I felt so alone. Yeah. That there was nobody that was consistent in my life. So when you look at the ecosystem and you think of all the people, so you've got a judge, you might have a CASA worker, an attorney at Lightham, you've got an adoption case worker if the parental rights have been terminated, uh, you've got a pediatrician and a dentist that you see regularly, you might have daycare or school and teachers, uh, therapists, counselors, uh, case, uh, case managers from placement agencies, their supervisors, home developers, like the amount of people that are in their lives is plentiful. So how could a child feel so alone? And how can a caregiver feel so alone when they're constantly surrounded by people? Well, so that's what makes our program different is that we are not paid to be there. We are there because we want to be there. And we take normal people to walk alongside other people and build community. And in our Dare to Dream program for our older youth, we ensure that every youth uh, hits kind of 10 milestones, developmental milestones. So things like getting a driver's license, opening up a bank account, understanding financial literacy. One of my favorite stories uh, that have come out of our Love Box program it came right here from Austin, and we had a young couple who had moved here from Japan. They were working at, like, Microsoft or somewhere, and they really wanted to have a child, but they couldn't, uh, and so they were they looked into, well, perhaps we could do the Foster to Adopt program here. Well, the mom um, got – they got matched with a sweet 
set of grandparents, these retired old older people who were had a little time on their hands. And so when you come into our program, we ask them, like, why are you here? What do you hope to get out of this experience? So we can make sure that the matching is done appropriately. And they said, well, we've raised our kids and, um, you know, we're retired. And so we've got time on our hands. So we matched them with a young family, a husband and a wife who had just uh, had two children placed with them, two young little boys. Well, the mom had never learned how to drive. She was in mm. her 30s and she never learned how to drive. So this sweet grandma and grandpa figure would come over and they said to her, we're going to come over every morning. We're going to have you get in the car. We're going to get in the car with you and we're going to drive to daycare. We're going to do this for 99 days. On the 100th day, we're going to stand and we're going to watch you drive off. And so every single day, Monday through Friday, they would come at 7.30 in the morning. They would load up the kids. They would drive with her. And then they'd come back at 3 o'clock to pick up the kids every single day for 99 days. And on the 100th day, they showed up at the foster family's home um, with banners and balloons. <laughs> and they waved at mom as she took her first drive to the kids to daycare Wow! and came back at 3 o'clock to welcome them and have a big party. And that's the kind of community that we're building, that we shouldn't have to do this alone. And we really shouldn't have to do foster care alone because caring for kids, when you look at the ecosystem of how many people are coming in and out of your home, you're now a government-owned piece of property. You don't get to say, sorry, we're not up for a visit today because Jimmy had a meltdown at school today. You're still getting the visit. Yep. And so to have that kind of community um, that is so intentional, that meets families where they are. So our Love Box program doesn't teach people how to drive. What we do is give people community. And it's this really tailored approach that says, these are my giftings, and then we match them accordingly. Because some people are like, I don't have time, but I can give financial resources. Or... I can rock a baby. We have a mom that takes all newborn babies. And so we've paired her with somebody who literally comes over and rocks a baby for four hours a day, every day, so mom can get respite and a break, do laundry, take a nap. There is a special place in heaven for this woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. It's so interesting. When we were going through the training prior to being a qualified home for foster care, one of the things that, I mean, I took two big things away, but the, one of them was make sure that you're matching your strengths with the child's need, right? Like not all foster placements are a fit or a match. Know yourself, know what you can handle, know what you can do. It's part of what I love about the Love Box program because you are taking that same kind of philosophy of matching strengths and needs and putting them together. The other thing that always stuck with me though was that inevitably anyone who's coming through care is in some ways processing something in trauma. Totally. Just a guarantee. And the advice was, don't like almost like resist the temptation to think that it's your job to fill the hole or to keep them from experiencing the trauma or the grief. It is your job to hold their hand Correct. while they go into that canyon so that they can come out the other side themselves, which was beautiful. And I've now had to use it in, you know, a thousand other instances with my, my kids here, my own, my own experience. Like don't look for someone else to save you in this grieving window grieve. Like you're supposed to be here, walk on through, come on out. But I love the way that you come alongside each of the kids in care in a way that doesn't say, I'm going to take away this experience of processing. I'm just going to make it easier because you know that you're supported while you walk through it. Yeah, absolutely. We have had so many cases where family goes to court and their love box leader is there with them. Yeah. You know, and not to fix, not to solve, not to do anything, but just to hold the mommy's hands. Another one of my 
most favorite impactful stories was we had a young mom who had gone and picked up the newborn baby from the hospital and had raised this baby for two years. This was her baby. And then the baby ended up having to, uh, I don't know actually the details around, but the baby ended up going back. And the husband, uh, love box leader called the husband and said, how's Patty doing? The mom. And he said, she will not get off of the bathroom floor. She is in the fetal position crying. She will not get off the bathroom floor. She is so devastated. This is serious loss. And the love box leader showed up with a coffee and a bag, dropped it at the door. When the husband opened the door, she just dropped it and goes and lays down on the bathroom floor Mm. behind this mom and held her and cried. And not there to do anything. You can't fix that. No. You can't. There's nothing you can do but to be there and to hold her. Like that is what transforms foster care. Yeah. And that mom was like, "I will never foster again." And she's fostered six babies since then. Wow. Because when you have support, it's like you know. There's this beautiful saying about like if there's a study done, and I'll I'll butcher this and not do any justice, but I'm going to try, which is like if you're standing on the base and you're looking at a mountain, if you're all by yourself, you look at that mountain and you think, I cannot scale this. Yeah. It is too tall, yeah. too high. I am not equipped for that. The mere presence of somebody that you know being within 20 feet makes it look more like 20% more likely that you'll do it. If you know that person and you have a deep connection, there's like a 100% probability that in your mind, you can tackle that mountain. And it's just the need for relationships, for belonging. I mean, I've walked along yours. I've walked alongside you all through different things and seasons. And it's like having somebody that you can say, like, I'm in this with you, literally changes everything. 100%. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey i'm brett podolsky co-founder of the farmer's dog we make fresh food for dogs we started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog jada when she stopped eating ultra processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food the farmer's dog food isn't fancy it's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs it's better for them and easier for you 
get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. So I know one of the things that you rally your team around or the teams, each of the chapters, 21 around the country around is this idea of changing the stats. Like your job here is yes, by 2050, let's make sure that you are serving, we are serving all of the kids who are in care, but also between now and then, let's change the stats. And some of the stats, uh, they're not the greatest stats. It's part of why the work needs to be done. But I'm wondering if maybe you could go through just so that we can illustrate a little bit of the urgency and why this work matters, what it is that you're trying to change. Mm -hmm. So what we know is that 80% of our prison population spent time in foster care. We know that our homeless population, over 50%, spent time in foster care. We know that 97% of human traffic victims from the United States come from the foster care system. And we know that 97% will not earn a college degree, even though in most states they have a full ride. And so for us, changing the statistics is important. But it's about ensuring that every single child has the opportunity to reach their fullest potential. That's really what this is about. When I think about the reason why I started this, there was a story. uh, This is what kind of like really hooked me to get into this. And um, we had, I'd gone to a conference and I went into this conference because I had always felt like in my life, adoption was going to play some role, never foster care. I was not interested in that. I'm not built this way. I don't know how to love on babies, let them in my home, and then have them leave. And a woman said to me, we know, Susan, the interesting thing about foster care is that it's not really about you. Wouldn't it be nice for someone like you to open up your home? And I was like, fine, I'll go in this breakout session and listen about foster care begrudgingly. And it was the one moment in my life where I felt like completely changed the whole trajectory of my life. A judge got up and he spoke about two little boys And this is the reason why I started this organization. And uh, he put up on uh, a big screen, and on the left-hand side of this screen, on this projection screen, he had listed all of the psychotropic meds that these two little boys had gone in and out of his courtroom, had kind of all the psychotropic meds, all of the abuse that they had taken 22 and 23 different moves. And so little Johnny stories on the left, Jimmy stories on the right. And the judge was talking about the statistics that I just shared. But more than that, he painted a picture about what it looked like for these two young men to grow up in the foster care system. And he said the little boy on the left-hand side of the screen, no matter how many times he moved, he did really well in school. Well, what we know is that when children move, they're six months behind from an educational standpoint. And that's why 50% don't graduate high school. It's not because they're not smart. It's because they move so often. So they get kind of lost in the shuffle. Yeah. So for this judge to say, but this one little boy, no matter how many times he moved, he did really well in school. Um, And when he turned eight years old, the parental rights were terminated, meaning that the parents could not follow the plan, and and now he's eligible for adoption. So the little boy at eight years old in the state of Texas, they would do these things called picnics for kids. And if you're eligible for adoption, you can go and you can meet some of mommies and daddies who are looking to adopt children. And it's a great thing for kids who get chosen at these picnics. And it's a terrible thing for kids who go year after year after year and never get chosen. In fact, there was a movie made out of this. Yeah. And uh, Instant Family. And so the judge says, the little boy on the left-hand side of the screen says, oh, I 
I know what I can do to be uh, picked at these uh, adoption or uh, picnics. And he said, I'll take my report card. I can take my report card and I can go up to all the mommies and daddies and say, choose me. I make good grades. I'm a good boy. Love me. And he would go year after year after year and he would never get chosen. And so fast forward, this young man is now almost turning 18 years old and he's living in a residential treatment center. And the director comes to him and says, son, you have been adopted. And he says, what do you mean I've been adopted? I've wanted to be adopted my whole life. And he says, you've been adopted and your father will be here soon to get you. And so that young man irons his shirt and grabs his little grocery sack of belongings because that's all he's had in 18 years of his life growing up in care. And the father comes to him and says, son, I am sorry that it has taken me 18 years to find you, but you will never have to worry about where you go from here, that you are my son until the day that I die. And he puts him through school, and then he puts him through seminary school, and the judge says that he grows up to create one of the largest foster and adoption agencies and places more kids in healthy, happy homes than any any other placement agency. And you hear that story and you say, oh my gosh, even at 18 years old, there is hope and there is redemption. And the judge says, but the other little boy on the other side of the screen that has the exact same amount of moves and psychotropic meds, um, his story is quite different. Because when he turns 18 years old, there's nobody there to swoop in. There's nobody there who has equipped him. He doesn't have a driver's license. He doesn't have a bank account. All his paperwork is lost. He has no clue what to do. So when the doors open up at 18 years old, he takes his grocery sack full of belongings and he just begins to walk. And he begins to walk and he begins to walk with no direction. And he throws himself in front of an 18-wheeler and he commits suicide. And the judge said in that moment that I know that not everybody's called to foster and I know that not everybody's called to adopt. But those two little boys came in and out of my courtroom for 18 years And he said, while the statistics matter, and they matter deeply, but when I say that 80% of our prison population spent time in foster care, that number will wash right over you. But what about the little boy who had no hope, who had nobody, who threw himself in front of an 18-wheeler? And so when we talk about statistics and we talk about the 430,000 children, those are kids in our own community who need somebody just like you who says, I see you, and I know the color of your eyes, and I know the passions of your heart, and I will walk hand in hand with you, and we will figure this out together. And so, you know, I feel so strongly and so passionate about these are the statistics, this is the state of foster care, but we can change it. And we are changing it. And it's hope-filled. And this work is beautiful and hard. Yeah. Oh, Thought I was done crying on this chair today. Nope, I'm not done. I love you and this work, and I love your passion. You are so good at explaining why you've given your life to this and why it's so important for other people to pay attention and give something to it. It doesn't need to be opening up your home for foster care or adopting, but um, you know, part of why we're releasing this today on Giving Tuesday is I am going to match donations up to, did we decide on an amount? I don't know. Did I, I tell you, you an amount? You told me, but go ahead, throw out another number God. while you're all nice and feeling good. What did I tell you? <laughs> this is a loaded question, David. Oh. I mean, number one, Jesus is watching, so be careful how you answer. What did I say? You said 10. Great. All right, we'll do Which, 15. That, that okay! way, just, we'll do 15. Yay, right. you heard it here. 
here. All right, so I, I'm going to match $15,000 of donations to help support the work at National Angels and Austin Angels and all of the other 20 chapters of Angels. The money goes to actually change these stats through relationship building, through mentorship, by creating sustainable foster homes, by keeping kids in placement longer, having them feel seen. The idea of like remembering the color of a child's eyes, I hope that's something that haunts you into wanting to give because everyone, every one of these 430,000 kids deserves that. And I think it's great that there's people and organizations, like there are people and organizations like you that do this work because I take for granted Right. I think we all take for granted that our kids, if we have, you know, raised them for, you know, the entirety of their lifetime, have the benefit of us knowing their middle names or their birthdays or what they like to eat when you go to the cereal aisle. And that's not the same kind of thing that exists inside of the community of foster care. And Susan and Sarah and all the other chapter heads are doing work to change that, but they can't do it without funding. And so um, it's Given Tuesday. I hope that you will consider supporting a thing that is massively, wildly important to me. The impact of having had our experience in foster care is a thing that will make this a cause that I care about for the rest of my life. And uh, I will be supportive of Susan's work, of Sarah's work, of the work of all the chapters of National Angels, because I am committed to also hitting your ridiculously audacious goal goal. of having every child in care supported by 2050. How old am I going to be by then? Old. Uh, But I'm going to be young at heart, and I'm going to be super, super happy to be able to have even a small impact in the lives of those that are in care. Um, Is there anything before we go that we missed that we ought to tell our listeners about? How else can they help? Well, they can follow us at National Angels uh, on all the socials. I really want to empower anybody who feels, this is what I always say, uh, if if you can't shake this, if you've heard this story and you're like, maybe I should play a part, then you should definitely play a part. Yeah, if you're looking for a sign, this is your sign. This is your sign. I completely agree with that. That's right. So follow us on all the socials. Go to nationalangels.org find a chapter where you are. Um, We are going to be reopening our chapter applications in the next few years. Uh, We want to expand our footprint. And so I just want to encourage anybody um, and everybody to play a role in this because it's going to take everybody. Yeah. Uh, What donation amount is too small? No, no such thing. Thank you. No such thing. If someone is feeling super convicted and they want to become part of something that maybe on a regular basis has them uh, contributing. Do you have any uh, special programs, tiers? Do you call anything special? Do they get a pin set or something? When <laughs> You'll get a phone call from me. How about that? By the way, you might even get a phone call from me at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we do kind of our greatest opportunity for the deepest amount of impact in our organization is to sign up as a reoccurring donor. As little as $33 a month helps us. So um, there is an option for that. But on Giving Tuesday with your match, there will be a link that you'll put in the show notes yep. and we'll share it on social. And, and we'll go. And we'll go. Yeah. What better way to digest a wonderful Thanksgiving meal yes. than helping people that may not have had the luxury of the kind of Thanksgiving that you had? Absolutely. All right. Well, ladies, uh, we ought to probably make sure that they're not looting out in the kitchen. <laughs> 
if my VCR is gone when we come out of this interview, then uh, we're going to have to talk about uh, a whole host of things. Now, I I appreciate you guys being here. I love the work. I love your team. And uh, listener, I hope that you love this conversation. I hope that it inspires you to do a little bit of good in this world for kids in care. They need your help. And Susan and her organization, they need your money. So I am asking that you consider supporting this and uh, frankly, any cause. But today I'm asking you to support this cause because it's a super important one to my heart. And I will double whatever you're sending in here up to the 15 grand to see if we can't help as many kids in care as possible. All right. This was a special bonus episode. Love it. You're a special bonus people. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll see you on Thursday for a solo podcast from The Tall Guy. We'll uh, talk to you then. Bye, y'all. Bye. Hey, y'all. While I am taking a hiatus from social media, I'd still love to stay connected to you on the regular If you head over to MrDaveHollis.com, I have an opportunity for us to become one-way pen pals. Yep, I'm going to be sending out regular updates, uh, stories, uh, observations, hopefully things that will also make you laugh or think. uh, And I'd love to be able to do that on the reg. So if you uh, are so inclined, hit MrDaveHollis.com, drop in your email, and buckle on up. I love y'all. Thank you for all the continued support. Let's go.